Here's a blast from the sci-fi past. 40 years ago, Disney Studios released Tron in theaters starring Jeff Bridges, David Warner, and Cindy Morgan. It's the story of a young video game developer who gets physically uploaded into a computer mainframe where a whole other world exists, alliances have to be formed, and life and death are truly in the balance. Dwight and I rewatched Tron in all of its eh, semi-glory. Uh, we discuss how the movie hit us as teens back in 1982, the film's design work, which was provided by the late Mobius and Sid Mead, and how Tron stacks up against other 80s sci-fi adventures like The Last Starfighter, Scanners, and Escape from New York. We also close the nerd gap between the original Tron, the feature film sequel which was released in 2010, Tron Legacy, and Tron Uprising, the animated series. I'm Swain Hunt. Join us as we discuss Incom, Master Control Programs, Circuitry and Togas, and yes, Light Cycles in 1982's Tron. And remember, you shouldn't have come back, Flynn. It begins in this world, on this side of the video screen, and plunges into a micro-universe that lives and breathes beyond the boundaries of imagination. The world of Tron. His video game designs have been stolen. No, actually, I'm trying to get some solid evidence together. The Master Control Program has the proof. We're still looking for that old file. I put it in my memory. And there's only one place it could be hidden. Come on, big fella, let's see what you got. You're gonna have to put you on the game, Brett. Inside the computer itself. Trapped. Okay. On the other side of the screen, a computer genius is forced to play his own video games with more than a high score at stake. Want him in the games until he dies playing. On the other side of the screen, it all looks so easy. And even this ace of the arcade isn't ready to challenge them from the inside. Tron, an astonishing adventure odyssey that allows the eye to behold what only the imagination can reveal. Tron, its world awaits on the other side of the screen. You know, one of the things that I picked up on mm -hmm. uh, re-watching this movie was the, um, you know, obviously, no matter what you say, I don't care, what, Jeff Bridges aside, the light cycles are the star of the movie. You think so, yo? <laughs> and they kind of are, yo. <laughs> Like that was the only reason I wanted to see it was I saw the light cycles in the uh, in the in the trailer on TV and I was like, ooh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I get it because it was it was the most it was probably one of the most interactive points where CGI meets human beings and, and it did something with it. Right, and it looked like sleek and cool and awesome. And it actually worked with the kind of blocky, primitive nature of the, uh, you know, the computer animation back then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it just kind of worked. And then the, you know, the jet streams that would follow it. Yeah. That was that was just cool. You know, it was. It was. And it's obviously. Uh, when did Akira come out? 
Oh, man. Akira was um, years afterwards, too. Akira was like in... Maybe 86 or 87 or something? No, 86... Well, yeah, maybe it was about 86, 87. Yeah, 88. Yeah, because this was 82. Right. But, like, you know, then, you know, there have been other um, kind of homages to it afterwards. But I know, like, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Aaliyah did a promotional video for her last album. And she did a take. And it was kind of like a Akira and kind of like uh, Tron in a way. When she's like rides in on a motorcycle. It was like animated. You remember that? I do. I do. It was a more than a woman. More than a woman. I'll well, be, it wasn't was for it? that. It was for that album. Yeah. But not that okay. song. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It was like a promotional thing for that album. Right. Which I thought, you know, it's like, wow, you know. But and I know you wanted to talk about like, you know, the uh, the animated series uh, as well as um, Tron Legacy. Right. But, you know, the funny thing that I found because I was, you know, just did a little bit of reading, you know, after I watched the movie. Was that the movie wasn't considered a success by Disney? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which was surprising because I I don't guess it was a surprise because you know if they were going to make a sequel for it if it was a real like it, it, like they spent seventeen million dollars on it and they it made a hundred million dollars they'd have made another one in in three years. Sure, in a heartbeat. But they kind of didn't. But um, did you you saw this in theaters, right? No, oh, definitely. Definitely, I saw. I saw like inside the first the first couple of weeks we came out. I saw it. You know, it was. I saw it. Uh, yeah, and it was. It was. Um, it was. I. It, it blew me away, man. It was everything a little kid like me can want in terms of the the the, the tank play, you know, and the and the, and the, and the cool the cool motor, the cool motorcycles, cool bike light cycles and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a thing wherein it allowed you to you know suspend your animation or suspend your 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 animation. <laughs> You disbelief. You disbelief, <laughs> and 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 get inside of something that was you know foreign to you. I mean, you saw transistors, and, and this is before the microchip was really a big thing. It was it was you know there were there were only transistors and 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 other little small circuit boards, things like that, that they took a lot of influence from to make the overall world of Tron come to life, the inner, inner Tron world to come to life. You know, so yeah, man, I I, I thoroughly dug it, um, and you know it was it was. It was backlit, so it was it was brightly lit and 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 kind of otherworldly in its presentation, mm-hmm. and it's, it's meant a lot. It meant a lot to me, you know, um, in terms of that that sort of thing. And who doesn't like a good chase, man? And it was more. It was all about the good chase. It was about the you know from one end to the next. It was like okay, we gotta get to point A to point B to get to the get to the goal and meet the wizard, destroy the wizard, and go go home. You know, <laughs> it was, yeah. You know, and you know that was that was kind of the thing, like the uh, the the nature of like the duels in the movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were kind of in the tradition of like almost like a Ben Hur or you know Gladiator or mm-hmm. even like Hunger Games, you know maybe something more like Hunger Games, you know where you have to face off against another opponent and you know it's you know you're you're you know you're quote inside the mainframe of a computer or whatever, but. You know, you can still die there and, and still lose your life. And the thing that I kind of dug about watching it again, uh, I mean, as a movie, we can talk about, you know, whether I liked it, period. But right. But the, the video game and the, you know, the computer programmer aspect of it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, like War Games or The Last Starfighter mm-hmm. or uh, do you remember a movie called The Wizard? I do. I do. Yeah, it was another movie. And, you know, it was just the 80s. You know, video games were, were on the rise here in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Nintendo. 
Uh, everybody was into it. And, you know, arcades were big. So, you know, literally people wouldn't necessarily play games at home. Some did. Right. But you could go to a place in the mall mm-hmm. that had nothing but video games, Pac-Man and Galaga and, you yep. know, and uh, Space Invaders. and Centipede. Centipede and... Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. And you put in, you know, tokens and you play video games. Yeah. And, and there was a whole culture around that to the point where... You like if you were really good, you know, you had the high score on this video game. You you come back every week to see if you were still a high score. You know? Exactly, you're the man. You're the man or woman to beat. Yo, it was, it was exactly. True. Yeah, yeah. And 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 high, a high a high score. They they had a certain kind of the the highest score had a certain kind of cachet because you walk up to the machine and you put your quarter up for next. I don't care if you think you will play play or not for a long period of time. Put the quarter up there on next on the high score. You got to move. Right. You know that's how that's how it was. You know. So you so you, so you had a certain kind of. Yeah, a certain kind of champion, a certain kind of champion respect that you that you that you you know are enabled to do. So it was it was it was it was cool. It was interesting times, man. It's kind of like a, a comparison would be like uh, you know like record used record stores and CD stores, which are almost non-existent now. Yeah, it's like well, why would you go there when you could just listen to music on your phone or you could play a video game on your phone? Why would you go to a place to do it? Right, but you know that's what we had. That's what we did. Yeah, the answer back the answer to that back then was that simple. That the 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 consoles, the home home consoles, hadn't been invented yet. The ones that can handle the kind of computational power that needed to make the games good. Right. You know, so so they they had all these circuit boys built into these 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 boxes that made these things work along with the programs. So we you know we couldn't do that back then. It was there was nothing small, nothing micronized enough to be able to do that. You know, so that was pre pre microchip. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. you know, so it was, it was interesting times based on that. But man, one of the things that got me about the movie, which came out in 1982, director Steven Lisberger, this is one of the second, maybe the first or second times that you saw a malevolent, sentient computer want to take over and dominate the world. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I caught that. I caught that. <laughs> you know? It's like maybe, well, the first time may have been Hal, but Hal wasn't like, Hal was taking over just the spaceship. He was not trying to take over. The ship, right? Yeah, but yeah. but this guy, but but the master control program had a, had a grander, you know, scale, you know, ideal of what he wanted to do and take over the world. Right. I was like, damn, this is that's cold. I didn't realize it. But right, yeah. and it kind of goes back to almost like a 1984 Big Brother, where you know we're we're mm-hmm. everywhere. You can't you can't escape us, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, Terminator and then eventually Matrix and, and other things where there are examples of that where. And I think they actually refer to it as uh, virtual intelligence, not maybe the term artificial intelligence hadn't been uh, coined or hadn't been, you know, branded like it is now. OK. okay. You know, I think they refer to it as 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 a uh, uh, virtual intelligence. But right. Um, it's it's very funny. Like D said, the movie came out in 1982. And I guess the base for anybody who hadn't seen it, the basic premise is is that Jeff Bridges plays Kevin Flynn, who's a uh, he's a, a programmer and a video game developer, and his ideas are being stolen by this guy Dillinger, mm-hmm. who runs a corporation. Wherever he's presenting Kevin Flynn's ideas as his own, and so Flynn and his buddy and uh, 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 Doctor Laura mm-hmm. break into the facility, and then Kevin, while he's on the keyboard trying to do his thing. The master control program says, you can't do that, Kevin. I will stop you. Right. So you should, the famous line is, you shouldn't have come back, Flynn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
You shouldn't have come back here. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. Sit right there. Make yourself comfortable. Remember the time we used to spend playing chess together? That isn't gonna do you any good, Flynn. I'm afraid. Stop! Please! You realize I can't allow this? Now, how are you gonna run the universe if you can't even answer a few unsolvable problems? Huh? Come on, big fella, let's see what you got. I'd like to go against you and see what you're made of. You know, you don't look a thing like your pictures. I'm warning you. You're entering a big era, Flynn. I'm gonna have to put you on the game, Brit. Games? You want games? I'll give you games. <laughs> <laughs> Who, by the way, was voiced by David Warner. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess they just, you know, they just kind of messed his voice up to make him sound different. Yeah. The indomitable David, David yeah. Warner is a menacing dude. <laughs> so he had like three roles in this movie. He plays Dillinger. Mm-hmm. He plays uh, Sark. Yeah. Inside the mainframe. And then he's the voice of the uh, the MCP, the Master Control mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, program, but right. the con- master control program zaps him and uploads Kevin's uh, essence into the mainframe, where where he interacts with like other software, or whatever, and he becomes friends with them. And the software, well, programs, right? The, the programs, programs, yeah. are, they call them, pro- yeah, yeah. The programs are, are like, yeah, or what the big, or what their the users, which are like people in the outside world, do, you know, well, yeah. So yeah, they resemble them because they're they're basically they're they're avatars. You know, you know, then there's, you know, they get inside and he finds out there's like a, you know, they're like they're dueling and battling. And right. And then right. he makes alliances with like Ram and uh and with and with Tron. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, man. But uh, yeah, I think I saw this uh, at Greenbrier Mall. OK. In the theater in, in the theater downstairs. OK. It was either there or it might have been the Rialto downtown, yo. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you. you remember the Rialto, yo? I do remember the Rialto, yo. Yeah, man. That's where that's where uh, they, they played The Last Dragon for a long time, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw The Last Dragon there. I saw uh, uh, Purple Rain there. Wow. I saw Purple Rain there twice. Dang. And a bunch of movies. Uh, but, and, and, you know, they would do like, you know, you could go like on a Saturday and see like a double feature right. of, uh, you know, martial arts films as well. You know, Shaw Brothers and whatnot. It was it was it was dope. But I remember seeing it, yo. And I remember like being kind of bored with it. OK. You know, like getting into it. And I was like, oh, because I, I liked the idea of the first half of the movie, not even the first half, really the first third. Right. Where they kind of go back and forth a little bit between the real world and the world inside the uh, inside the computer. And then once they spent all their time inside the computer was when I started kind of checking out. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But uh, but anyway, the uh, but I do remember I do remember, like I said, being excited to see it, you know, and just like, OK, well, what is this? You know, what is this going to be about? And And to an extent for back then, that was kind of like. You know, like it was like a superhero movie in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was. You know, s- suits and cars and you know, digital this and that. And it was. You know. It was like it, it was very much a fantasy trip in a lot of ways. And, and you, you felt there were the, you know, Tron was obviously the hero. That's why it's called Tron. You know, even though even though a lot of ways Flynn's character kind of kind of superseded what Tron was because Tron was was a digital construct and and Flynn was a user. So he, whatever he did, you know, you kind of got more, more drawn towards. Right. Because he was more animated, had more of a, a sense of self, a sense of purpose that was beyond, you know, what 
that the, the, the programs had, you know, so it was kind of cool to see that. Right. He was a human being. He had personality and humor and charisma mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and sentience and a sense of agency, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that they all that they all didn't have. The only, the only one who had that like him was Dillinger, a.k.a. You know, Sark. Sark. Right. As the as the as the villain, you know. Right. Right. But um, yeah, it, it was it was it was good, man. I, I enjoyed it. I think when I, I saw it at um, what mall did I see it at? It was um. Was it North Lake? It might have been like um, one of those outer malls uh, out there off of two eighty five or eighty five. Mm-hmm. But it was really good. It was it was three of us that went there. It was me and a, a couple of friends of mine, younger friends of mine, and we went there and all ate it up, man. It was all candy coated and and exciting and all the the various in and outs of the, you know what I mean? I, I remember walking away from it feeling um, excited and, and with the idea of okay, now we can be inside of video games. We can play inside of video games, not knowing what was about to come as we got older and, and how much virtual reality would actually merge itself into the reality of what, um, what things have become. So, yeah. Did you, now you, this is 1982. So this is, this is years after a new hope. Mm-hmm. And this is two years after, uh, empire, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So were you aware, and there's no internet, so there's no way for you to look this up or go on your phone and check anything. But were you aware or did you have any sense of the connective tissue between those movies as far as Sid Mead's designs go? No. Okay. No. I think I think what I saw I saw, I saw in in, this, in, the, in the suit design I saw some interesting like obviously it was it was done by like somebody of, of with a great deal of technical expertise you know right like a, but of course that was done by Mobius so I mean the suit was Mobius design right but but I mean I, I did feel Sid Mead's I did I didn't know I didn't know who Sid Mead was honestly at that time. Even then, I think I might I might have seen some of his books, but I don't think I made a connection between what he was doing as a, as a as a concept designer and what was done was executed inside of the the, the movie. You know, I, I had no idea what concept design was back then. It was just a he draw real good. You know, like <laughs> he draw good, he <laughs> paint know? good. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. I, I, I knew I knew there were designers, of course, because I, I'd been I've been exposed to you know. Um, the great, late great Ralph Macquarie, you know, and how he rocked the world, you know. So, right. But but it wasn't it wasn't a connective. There was no connective tissue for me between what was happening inside of because Sydney Sydney stuff was always it looked so painterly, and the, and this stuff was so obviously technically driven uh, inside of Tron that it didn't was a, a natural connection for me. Right. You know. And even though, like you look at the suits and the helmets and all of that, mm-hmm. and it and you can see Mobius in there. Yeah. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Which was mm-hmm. funny to me because the, the the costume designs, you know, like a couple of them just looked like okay circuitry and togas, right? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and these freaky helmets. You know what and, I mean? And, and, and leotards, yo. You know, what and I'm saying? leotards <laughs> like from Nutcrackers, yo. You know? <laughs> but but the 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 backlit animation part of it actually made it seem warmer mm-hmm. and less goofy. I mean, it was still goofy. Right, but it made it seem warmer and less goofy. And you know, again, there's something about the charm of some of the crudeness. Like there were places that, that obviously you came out of it where I was like, okay, this is like some technology that you know we had in like the '90s that we could have replicated. You know, on our home PCs in the '90s. You know that. Yeah. You know that had 23 megs of memory on it. We could we could have made <laughs> some of these things. Now, yeah, for sure. 
that's just how short a distance there was from 1982 to you know, whatever 1995 right in terms of the advancement of of technology as it relates to computers and software mm-hmm. and uh especially software as it relates to you know art and entertainment and things like that and then you just get this you go from like the wheelbarrow to like the rocket you know, by the time you get to the 2000s where it's like, okay, people have the computing power in, in their in their phone. Yeah. You know, Blackberries and Razors in 2007, 2008, you know, and it's like, this is like beyond anything. And now, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I mean, you can play video games on your phone. You can play music on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch yeah. movies on your phone. I, watch, I get on the treadmill and I watch movies on my phone, on my fucking phone. Phone. <laughs> <laughs> No, exactly, man. Exactly. You know, and and one of the things, to, I mean, this this movie very much was a precursor and and a predictor in a lot of ways of of habits and things to come for for how we conduct ourselves in, in social media these days. I mean, you look at you look up now, man. It's like everything is everything's an avatar. I mean, you you, you conduct yourself in a manner which is you know act, interacting with like master control programs. You 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 have you know uh, you have. Um, uh, home PCs that you take around with you, and laptops you take around with you, and do things with. You know, it's it's incredible, man. Um, I mean, one of the cool things that too, I like too, man. Like it was, it was, and I don't know if they did this intentionally, if it was by mistake, whatever the case may be. But but when when the master control program puts Kevin Flynn on the game grid, and he 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 digitizes him, and that 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 quad mesh dot matrix they use mm-hmm. is very much essential to how things are made these days in video games. So the meshing used back then. That meshing is is exact same meshing they use for 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 uh, basic templates for models and games. So quads are quads are good things. What's that? Uh, the technology where they put the balls? Is it mocap balls or what? Mo- are the mocaps, balls? yeah, mocaps, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exact, yeah. It's exactly that. When you see that translated into uh, into the software, it's it's ex- it's it looks just like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it it is kind of cool, and and that was the thing when you mentioned that uh, when we were talking earlier today before we started recording. You know that is something that I thought about because I remember when we interviewed um, uh, Rob Vendetti, mm-hmm. uh, the writer of the Surrogates, and he was talking about you know the idea of the Surrogates was you know everybody wants to have an avatar now, everybody wants to kind of lose themselves in something else, their their little image on social media, you know the picture that they choose or the name on their name on Twitter. Right. You know, uh, you know, where people, you know, everybody's very specific about those things. And those things are very personal and very representative of them. And it's also too like, you know, in the in the 80s and 90s, it is almost laughable to some extent. You know what we thought, you know, virtual reality would be and and and, and you know, oh, it's going to take over in relationships. People won't want to have a sexual relationship. They want to just have, you know, a virtual sexual relationship where they can just have sex with you know, any person on the planet or whatever and put on these goggles and just lose themselves. Mm-hmm, and to mm-hmm. some extent, there's some truth to that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we still have Pornhub. Yeah. We still have romance novels. We still have love scenes in movies and erotica and Wattpad and things like that where people mm-hmm. go to experience those things. But so it's not quite the whole put on some goggles and put on some ear earphones and just lose yourself and disconnect totally from reality. It's not, right. it's not sensorial sensorial in the, in that, in the way that we thought it was. Exactly. Going to be. Exactly. Not, not yet. I mean, those, those things are coming, you know, there's, there's scientists all across the world experimenting with those, those, those various implements and things like that. I can, I can't imagine, 
you know, it's just it's disgusting in a lot of ways. But uh, you know, because I mean, it's just so there's so much more to to sensor sensory perception than than fooling sensory perception. Like it's got to be, it's it's very tactile, you know, and it should yeah. be very tactile, you know. Yeah, I man. Let's talk about some of the things that um, like um, some of, some of the funny anecdotes uh, as I was watching this very very good um thing on uh on Disney Plus about how uh, the movies were put together and how some of the uh, the outcomes of the, of, of the movies being put together turned out like there's a thing that happened where they they actually they they, they use so much energy on set they actually blew out all, all the fuses in burbank at one time the city of burbank in, in, in los angeles the grid yeah they blew out the grid yeah so they were by powering the grid in the movie they <laughs> they blew out all the fuses in the city of burbank man damn so it was a blackout literally a brownout yeah yeah i can't imagine it's like okay what, what happened to the lights what happened to the lights you know so those, those damn movie guys again they're you know the no, I didn't realize that they had actually blown out the grid in, in Burbank, but... Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm definitely not surprised. And, and the cool part, though, with the technical lasers and stuff, that was, that was filmed at an actual facility, a real laser facility. Okay. So that that, that, so that door they used, that, was, that wasn't a prop. That was a door that was actually a real laser facility. The red door that they opened in the, uh, in the first act? Okay. Exactly. And he the, says, the, ah. The, the, the opens forever? Yeah. It's like, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's cool, man. The um, and I was reading that they apparently when they were writing the script, um, so the story was or the first couple of drafts were written by uh, another writer, mm-hmm. and then uh, and she actually said she was envisioning perhaps a young, you know, thirty-year-old Robin Williams to play Kevin Flynn and for it to be more comedic. Okay, wow. But once they got into the uh, multiple drafts of the of and got closer to a shooting draft. Mm-hmm. That's when they say, "Okay, this is a little more serious." And and Jeff Bridges, you know, he's a super handsome young, you know, charismatic actor in the movie. Right. This has got to be before, like, you know, uh, Jagged Edge. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the movie he did with the Phil Collins song? Oh, uh, Against All Odds. Against All Odds. This is bef- yeah. got to be before that. And, but after King Kong. <laughs> I guess it probably was after King Kong. It was after King Kong, right. but he was still a really good actor as a as a young man. You know, he's still really good, and I guess they needed somebody who could care like the serious and be charismatic, mm-hmm. and that you would kind of uh, kind of root for mm-hmm. uh, in a way. And uh, a, f- a funny anecdote about that was is like Bruce Boxleitner. Bruce Boxleitner turned the script down twice, but then when he but when he got on the set, he saw some of the, uh, the actual the actual images and and knew that knew that that. Um, Bridges will sign up for. He's okay. I'll do it. If Bridges is going to be here. If I'm working against that guy, I'll do it. Oh, really? Yeah, because Bruce is not going to do it. And Bruce is like, I, I don't. I, I can't visualize this. I don't see. I don't know what's going on. All these strange words being used. <laughs> okay, but my question would be, what else was Bruce Light Box Lightner doing, yo? I looked at his IMDb, yo. It was a bunch of TV shows and this. <laughs> right, he, he was doing, he was doing westerns until then, yo. He, he said he filmed a western prior to prior to doing the the movie. So yeah, so you're right. It was like okay, he got this script he couldn't understand. He he didn't want to look stupid, so yeah, he, he turned he turned it down. But uh, the uh, another one, another actor in the movie, character actor in the movie, Bernard Hughes. Mm-hmm. Yes, who man. played uh, Doctor Gibbs? Uh huh. Dumont. Yeah, I've seen him in a ton of things, yo. Uh, yeah, he's awesome, dude. Uh, Doc Hollywood, um, a bunch of stuff. I looked at his IMDb. I was like, "Oh yeah, I've seen this guy in, mm-hmm. in plenty of things." And and funny um, thing about him too, man, is he, he if you look at his character inside the movie, he actually plays the really the true founder of Incom. 
So he's kind of like playing. He's kind of playing like he's kind of like uh, the 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 Steve Jobs of of Incom. Well, he ends up getting basically like killed because he won't go along with Dillinger. Right. Right. Uh, with Dillinger's you know master plan, and he's like you know I built this. You know, our, the, our our heart and soul and blood is pumping through these programs and blah, blah, blah. And I helped build this. And, right. you know, and it's always the the early innovator who gets, you know, drawn into the capitalistic game and taken advantage of. And then it's like, OK, we're through with you. You know, now we're going to take this and run with it. You know, exactly. Exactly. So that was kind of kind of cool. What was that? What was that game? That weird game they were playing to look like a. A cross between uh, uh, lacrosse and racquetball, you know, with the duel. Yeah, I, you know, I want, I want to, <laughs> say, I don't know, man. I want to say highlight, but I'm not exactly sure what that is. It was weird. It was, um, you know, I, I was. It looks very like, um, like very um, European or like, like maybe even like. It reminded me of cricket to some degree, but it's not cricket. Maybe either, like cricket. Know. Yeah, I said lacrosse, but maybe cricket is a better example. I don't know. It was, it was weird, but it was, it was cool. I mean, I, I remember seeing. Um, there was a game in the seventies. It was something like that, dude. Where you had the little, you had the little, the little racket that was a receptacle, and you, the ball would be inside of you. You would throw it, and it would pretty much. But it wasn't. Well, that, like isn't that. that lacrosse? Isn't that how lacrosse works? Yeah, yeah. I guess it is kind of how lacrosse works. Yeah, from from what I could tell. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was weird. Now, who was the uh, the the female character who was in the uh, in the program? Uh, Yuri. It was Yuri. Yeah, and what, what was her background? Uh, she well, in the real world, she was a technologist. She was she's part of that 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 whole laser program thing you're working on downstairs with uh, with the uh, the older gentleman that we mentioned earlier. You know, okay. So she was she was and she functioned and essentially as what what I what I get as far as that dynamic goes, this is one of those '80s dynamics. You know, where you have you have <laughs> you, ha- you have you have the new boyfriend, which is which is which is played by Bruce Boxleitner's character, who she's really attached to now. And then you have the old boyfriend, which is Kevin Flynn, who was more too eccentric and was playing the video games, but she still kind of liked him with a flop sweat and with a flop sweats after playing the video game. You see that, yo? I want you to, that was so much perspiration, dude. That was, that was, it was like, bro, if you get too close to the game, you get electrocuted. All that coming out from your armpits, right? Now, I'm telling you. Yeah, yo. He looked like he had done a couple hours on 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 the, on the treadmill and the bike, yo. Seriously, seriously, it's like, dude. Then he goes upstairs and his little his little game his little um little loft he has upstairs. His loft, and yeah, yeah. And he takes his shirt off from his ex girlfriend and 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 and, and um, Bruce Bruce uh, uh, Allen kind of looks at him like, okay, what, what are you what are you doing, man? He's like, you you know, you're getting undressed. Go ahead. And they even had kind of like a like a kind of like a cuck moment, yo. Yeah. Where he was like, yeah, does she still do this and this when she does that? And he was like, yeah, yeah she does do it. And she was like, shut up. And it was like, okay. You know, yeah. yeah. I had your girl, yo. Right, right. I had your girl for you did, yo. I, said, I had a, a first. She did a Ray J, yo. That's right. That's right. I, I warmed it up for you, yo. Now you're getting sloppy seconds. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. But, um. The character is played by Cindy Morgan, who played Laura Baines in the actual world, and Yuri in the in the in the, the world of Tron, met the, the uh, program world. Yeah, that's what that's one of the things about the the kind of early crude, you know, CGI and computer animation aspect of it that I thought was interesting in reading about it was is like, mm-hmm. I mean, you have actors today that are literally acting with other actors. And in some cases they're acting with an object that's supposed to be a dragon or an alien or, you know, some other, a robot or whatever. And then they're going to paint, they're going to paint it in later. But 
they complain about that now. How much would like Jeff Bridges and uh and and Box Lightner and and Morgan and he, you know and then where it's like okay, I mean they're they're basically acting with nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you really, really masking tape up on the wall. That's your that's a person. Exactly. You know, and Jeff was saying that in one, one of the uh, one of the uh, interviews that he did. He was saying that, you know, you know how to gauge your acting. To what degree you would you would, would it be? You, you bracketed your acting, so you get, you go serious or 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 middle ground or or not serious at all. You know, and you have to kind of gauge what, what you're interacting with and try to figure out okay, where's the best way to do it. And you say, well, Bruce Boxleiter was saying, well, I, I I look at it from how you act on stage, like. You don't, you're, you're basically not seeing it. You're, you have a, you have a third, basically you have one wall behind you and, and the audience in front of you and the side and the stage on the side of you. So you're interacting inside that environment like it's a real environment and you have to kind of gauge yourself according to what you think it's going to be versus what it really is when you're looking out, out at the audience. Right. But the only problem with that is, is in theater, you have an audience to kind of, re- they will respond, they'll gasp when they're surprised, they'll laugh when it's funny, they'll, you know, cry and, and, and whatever when it's sad. Mm-hmm. So you do have that interaction as opposed to this, like what, what, what Bridges is saying is, is you don't know, you know, in acting, you know, you don't know if you're, if you're going to, if you're going too big, right? if you're not big enough, mm-hmm. if you're too small, if, if your performance is too subdued and contained, you know, you don't know. Um, and they always, you know, actors always talk about, you know, acting is bouncing off listening and bouncing off of your scene partner. Right. You know, but when you're acting with things that aren't there, it's like, ugh. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's got to be like frustrating and challenging, you know, for them. Oh yeah, because the, the, they're, they're judging you for your performance in front of the camera, not what you what you, what your what your environment is, how immersive you are in it. How do you think this movie? Because I was trying to think about it in the context of other '80s kind of sci-fi films, right? You know, I think I told you and Adrian last year on a humbug, I watched uh, I rewatched Scanners. Okay. You know, with uh, with you know the great Michael Ironside and you know all those other folks in there, right, right. Um, but how do you think it's it holds up against like stuff like um, well, you know the original Dune, of course, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but like Flash Gordon or Escape from New York. That's interesting, man. Or like Running Man or Starman or even even like Road Warrior and, and RoboCop later on. You know. Wow. Uh, man, I don't know because uh, you know this is a completely new film. It was like a genre cre- and creation to to its unto, unto itself. So yeah, I didn't really have a comparison for me. You know, for those movies, I, I didn't see Scanners till later on when I was you know you know watching on cable. You know, and and I didn't see I didn't see. Um, I mean, as far as um, the other movies in that that area in that era that were science fiction related, they were more terrestrial. Like I could feel like I could walk on that ground. You know. This is like something totally foreign and alien to me, and and exciting because of it, but but also off putting because of it to some degree, you know. Like there had to be those comedic elements in it for levity, you know. Like there's a thing where, you know, you look at from the very beginning when um <laughs> when Sarks was interacting with MCP, it's like you're getting very sadistic and unnecessary. I like it. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> you know? And he, and he goes um. You know, he's, um, Flynn's talking. Flynn's talking to him, and, and, and before he puts him in the gangrene, he's like, he's like, um, he goes, um, "You should have come back, Flynn." It's oh, this is the old old MCP. I used to play chess with you, and you know, and he puts in this, he puts in this protocol called a reindeer flotilla protocol, and he starts panicking. His his voice get kind of kind of quaky and stuff, and he's like, "Okay," and he's like, "You shouldn't do that, Flynn. Stop." You know, and he and he breaks him down to his little constituent right, parts right, and puts right. him in and uploads him. Yeah, he uploads him, man. 
So yeah, I mean, you know, it's the thing where you know, you know, it was it was such a groundbreaking type of thing to where I, I can see why I left some left a, a strange or yet um, not fully convinced taste in some people's mouths because a lot of places it was kind of cartoony. Like even back then, I think the 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 resolution of some of the the, the landscape was just really really pedantic, man, compared to what you were seeing in like you know some of the the the, the video game you know uh, the video games you'll play at the, the arcade, you know. Okay. And um, you know, but you know, I I I enjoyed it, man. I mean, for what it was, and and you know, you know, I guess later on we can talk about you know the, the sequel or or the other things that led up to the new the new, the new sequel because I think that lends itself a great deal like it elevates what was taken in that for granted to another level based on the technology and the story that was was designed around yeah so as it relates to that because that was something you said you wanted to kind of discuss but Mm -hmm. you know quite obviously and that's kind of the thing too is is back then so you know if disney spent you know 17 million bucks million dollars on the budget you know, they spent another three or four million dollars promoting it at least, maybe five. So, you know, let's say 20 something. So it's got to make 60 something million dollars to be considered a real hit. Right. But now, you know, audiences and everything is smaller in the sense of, you know, now we see everything being kind of rebooted and redone and and things that were moderate successes on television and in film and in theaters. Mm-hmm. You know, we see we see them being, oh, we're going to do a sequel to you know, bad boys 15 years later, you know, or (laughs) do a sequel to, you know, to what have you, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, they've kind of run rampant with that, you know, this idea of chasing IPs. And so, you know, some, however many years later, you know, they do Tron legacy. Right. And, uh, from all, for all accounts, it was better than the first movie in many ways. For sure. To speak to it briefly, you know, it's basically a thing wherein they took the the saga um, to a to its next level of conclusion, wherein you 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 saw how Jeff Bridges' character comes back to income and makes it a, a much much more a much more grander project. Like it, it goes from being the MCP to being him going inside of the world that, he, that was created by the MCP and and, and the other programs, and 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 really giving it a chance to 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 grow and flourish under the guidance of his of his avatar, which was Clue. Mm-hmm. Clue took the, the 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 world of the computer program and elevated it to the next level, making the quote unquote perfect system, you know. Mm-hmm. And and you know it was interesting because once again we're looking at the idea of what concepts of perfection the computers have, right? They only know what we tell them, right? So he wants the system to be able to get out of the system and, and, and merge into the other world where there's more for them to conquer. And the idea in the beginning was that Flynn would go into the system to find out what the, that that world has offered to, to, to us. So it was you know, everybody thinks it's, the grass is green on the other side of the fence. On the other side, happening. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Did did they add more? Because isn't doesn't the uh, the younger the younger actor play uh, Flynn's son? Garrett Hyland, yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting because this is after you know Jeff Bridges was the Big Lebowski. So there's moments of the Big Lebowski. <laughs> so all you can see was that. <laughs> yeah. So so there's moments of the Big Lebowski. He's like he's like he's like he tells he tells he tells, he tells uh, his son he's like you're messing with my Zen thing, man. <laughs> oh, and then he, <laughs> you know, 
and he's sitting there and he's, he's you know, he's telling me, mess with him thing, man. I need you to, I need you to chill out and just wait a minute. You're rushing around and stuff. And I, I need you to just focus for a minute, you know, and, 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 and do make the right moves. When I, when I tell you to move, that's when you move, you know? So yeah, it was, it was good, man. What you, what you were saying a minute ago, man, uh, it reminds me that, um, cause this is the, uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken, didn't they, uh, this is one of the first examples where they use uh, CGI to kind of uh, de-age Jeff Bridges? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Uncanny Valley was strong in this, you know. It was not. Yeah, yeah. Was... yeah. That's what I heard. But my buddy my buddy always uh, he always quotes this movie because he thought it was such a funny way to say it, where he says, Sir, the cycles have not been kind. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what Clue says to, says to, says to, uh, to Flint. He's like, yeah. yeah, it's like you, you've aged a lot, <laughs> a lot, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, cool thing is like I told you, you were telling me about the animated series mm-hmm. and I did watch a little bit of it, but I, I do plan on circling back to it because that is an all-star cast of actors mm-hmm. uh, uh, doing the voices in it and the look of it. Um, I was trying to look up the, uh, how to pronounce his name, but I think it's Alberto Mielgo. Mielgo. Yeah. Yeah. Mielgo. Yeah. And, uh, and then um, Robert Valley, right? Yeah, that that stuff has looked dynamite, yo. Man, it's fantastic. Fucking crazy. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I mean, and it's got. Um, I was telling you earlier, it has it has modern day um, uh, inclinations or modern day um, sensibilities, uh, you know, analogous to what's happening currently in Ukraine with 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 uh, Putin, wherein mm-hmm. there's a a malevolent dictator that's trying to come to their town and take over and set up shop and 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 basically establish. That put, that is part of their world too, so it's it's, it's interesting how those things happen in, in art, how art reflects reality and, and vice versa. But yeah, I mean it's it's an all star cast, including Elijah Wood. It, I mean it has um um so a lot of new not new bodies in it, but it's got Bruce Boss Lightner back in it again. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Reginald Vell Johnson, Mandy Moore. Yeah, yeah. The way you should, the way you should watch it to me is uh, you should watch, of course, the Tron Classic first. Then this animated series, and then watch Tron Legacy because it all it all kind of blends together. There's a there's a moment, there's a shift where you can see where okay, the war is coming, and then they haven't gotten any kind of real humanistic user there yet. But once once they draw Flynn Sun into it, then it becomes you know a thing wherein you know <clears throat> everything gets real, you know. But and, um, so you're actually saying because didn't the animated series came out after Tron Legacy, right? It did, it did, yeah. But you're saying you, sh- you should watch that before. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it lends itself to the credibility of some things that, that take after take on you know afterwards and uh, okay you know so yeah the '80s man as far as the uh, the sci-fi and all of that man I think some of it lives up you know and holds up right some of it is challenged you know what I mean right um, when we did our Escape from New York pod I really enjoyed that and that was you know gritty grit, nitty gritty. Again, it was kind of like that whole thing of, yeah, this is the future. Just trust us. Right. You know what I'm saying? It may not look like any future that you thought it was ever going to be, but this is the future. Just trust us, you know? Right, right. But I, I like stuff like that. And, and I even Scanners, you know, had its moments. But, I mean, for the most part, I enjoyed my rewatch of it. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of that whole government conspiracy, E.T. and, you know, Firestarter where the government's going to come in and, Right, psi powers, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and take the special person, and we're going to use them as a weapon against the Russians because we're still in the fucking Cold War, <laughs> right. and God damn it, you know. There's a lot of that going on back then, man, seriously. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I thought it was again. I just anytime they do these the sequels and prequels, you know, years and years later, I'm always like, okay, at least with this de aging Bruce uh, Jeff Bridges aside, mm-hmm. at least with this, you know, he's playing an old man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Exactly. Hugh Jackman in in Logan, you know, he's playing old man Wolverine. He's playing Wolverine as a, in his late forties, fifty year old, fifty years old. Right. You know, um, not like you know. Better Call Saul, which is a prequel that was filmed 10 years after the series ended. So everybody looks older and it's like, what? How is this a prequel? Right, right. <laughs> and that, that stuff is, it's technology is going to get better. It's still, it's a matter of somewhat degree, to some degree, just being disbelief. I know I, 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 I mentioned earlier how the technology is getting so much better now they can get away with a lot more and taking those liberties. And it was, that was just like, you know, that was this year in 2022, wherein Tron Legacy was what 2000 2010 i think 2010 so yeah till, till 12 <laughs> yeah. years later they almost get almost have it right you know if they just could wait a little bit longer to try and, and utilize you know uh the aging aging well jeff bridges you know as 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 uh, that that particular flint kevin flynn that was seeing his son off before he got trapped inside the machine i mean there's just a lot of good one-liners in there I, I, but i mean <clears throat> like I serve the users, the whole thing where in, you know, Tron Legacy where Tron becomes a character called Rensler and he then he, he finally realizes who he is in the end and saves saves Kevin and his son and, and uh and Cora. Cora, that's her name. <laughs> that's that's uh, um um Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde's character, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, she's awesome in it too. And um yeah, so anyway, there it is. Yeah. Tron nineteen eighty two comparison Versus Tron Legacy and Tron Uprising. Does it hold up in terms of special effects? Not even close. Negatory. <laughs> Negatory. <laughs> um, the heart of the story is still there. And it's fun to watch based on the heart of the story. But it's very much a, um, a simplified Disney film in the, in the lines of what... Um, maybe not. Maybe a little more technical than, than um, uh, The Black Hole. Oh, Which that's is, another one. <laughs> oh my oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> that was deplorable. That was deplorable, sir. Yeah. Except for the except for the robot was kinda cool. Kind of cool. Maximilian, but it yeah, just no. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.